welcome to the Health Leaders Women in Leadership podcast. I'm Melanie Blackman, Strategy Editor for Health Leaders. My guest today is Dr. Carla Denise Edwards, Executive Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer at Henry Ford Health System, an integrated nonprofit healthcare organization headquartered in Detroit, Michigan. Carla Denise, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to spend some time talking with you. Carla Denise, who started her healthcare career as a policy analyst for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, has worked in and out of the healthcare sector on the healthcare policy, strategy, and economics for almost 30 years. Previously, Carla Denise served as Executive Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer at Providence St. Joseph Health. Prior to that, she served as Chief Strategy Officer for Alameda Health System alongside Henry Ford Health System's current CEO, Wright Lassiter III. She joined Henry Ford Health System in July 2020 and provides executive counsel and leadership for the system's strategic planning efforts and partnership ventures, business development and transformation initiatives, government affairs, and Henry Ford Innovations. So, Carla Denise, when we spoke in early July before you started your role with Henry Ford Health System, you spoke about your passion about providing equitable, accessible care to the diverse community Henry Ford Health System serves. So let's start there. What has the health system accomplished over the last year around healthcare disparities and providing equitable health care to the communities it serves? Melanie, thanks for that question, and I really enjoyed spending time with you um, almost nine months ago. I can't believe it'll be a year in July. Henry Ford Health, like many of our brother and sister organizations across the country, has really doubled down on trying to figure out the way in which we can tackle and, in essence, eliminate health disparities. COVID helped all of us realize, many of us deep in the trenches knew this before, but it really brought to the forefront the inequity in healthcare outcomes for various populations. People of color having disparate outcomes, the poor having disparate outcomes, and unfortunately, those being poor or worse outcomes uh, for our communities. So Henry Ford has been laser focused on A, identifying what some of the root causes are of those um, inequitable outcomes, specifically for COVID, but for other diseases, and then really creating a plan and a strategy that's a little bit different than what's been done in the past. You know, in the past, we've looked at ways in which we've adopted policies or implemented new processes or procedures that would change potentially the trajectory of care. We still need to do that, but we also need to be really clear on what the current status is for particular disease states and communities so that we can set a goal for eliminating the gap in outcomes for white women versus black women as it relates to dying and childbirth, for uh, obesity rates among those in the Hispanic community relative to those in the white community, Um, and also looking at things like violence and the perpetuation of violence in communities against communities, particularly with what we're seeing with Asian hate. So it's been really my pleasure to work with a rock star team of people um, led by our chief diversity officer, Dr. Kimberly Dawn Wisdom, and of course our CEO, Wright Lassiter, who are laser focused on making sure we know what the numbers are and then creating 
real direct policies, but also programs and inspiring collaboration to close those gaps in health disparities between communities of color um, and the majority community in Detroit and the surrounding area that we serve. What upcoming initiatives are being contemplated by Henry Ford Health System, and what are the strategies behind those? There's so much. Um, I definitely feel like there's job security for any one of us that's in healthcare, right? Some of those strategies deal with what I call the social determinants of health, if we're talking specifically about strategies related to addressing health inequity. You know, the social determinants of health are things like transportation um, and the inability to get to and from appointments, food, living in what we call food deserts or communities or neighborhoods that don't have access to healthy food or affordable food, um, and even things like the environment, right? Living in a place that's safe. One of the statistics, Melanie, that makes me chuckle is looking at how many people have used public parks and gone to public parks since COVID started. I didn't even know we measured that before, but we're measuring it now. Um, In many of the communities where communities of color are, there are no public parks and those parks aren't safe. So one of the things that we're doing here at Henry Ford is working in partnership with the community to figure out what are the indicators and the determinants of poor health outcomes, and then how do we work to address those. Everything from partnerships with um, grocery stores and local markets to working with the city in an initiative called Connect 313 to ensure there's broadband access and internet access, as well as access to the physical devices that are needed to schedule an appointment online or to have a virtual visit if you live in a community where broadband or internet has not been affordable or even accessible. And so those are some of the things that we're doing. Really, it runs the gamut, Melanie. I could probably talk for hours about all the various initiatives, but I do actually think the Connect 313 is a huge one um, because it is hard for some people to believe there are neighborhoods and there are areas that don't have internet access. And it's also harder to believe for those of us who take it for granted how unaffordable it could be to hold and maintain a smartphone that enables you to do something as simple as schedule a doctor's appointment or to find a location for a COVID test. And so working with the community to solve for that, I think is huge. I think it's really, really a great opportunity for us to show our bench strength in partnership and collaboration. The health system can't do it all and can't do it alone. And we also need to make sure we're focused on those things outside of the four walls of the hospital. And that's a good example. We'll be right back after this short break. Hi, this is Jack O'Brien, finance editor at Health Leaders. I'm here to tell you to check out the Health Leaders Finance podcast, which drops every third Thursday of the month. On my show, I sit down with healthcare finance executives for in-depth discussions regarding high-level topics affecting the industry including revenue diversification, cost containment strategies, provider consolidation, and digital investment, among others. Subscribe and listen now to the Health Leaders Finance Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. As mentioned before, you've served in healthcare for almost 30 years. What are some of your greatest accomplishments around healthcare policy? I really do not want to admit I've been doing this for 30 years. (laughs) 
I don't want to be that old. <laughs> but I do think that with uh, time and age comes wisdom. You know, I think about my accomplishments not that often or that frequently, but I'll be reminded of them when I get a phone call or a LinkedIn post or a tweet from somebody that I worked with or worked for who's killing it, right? Who's rocking it. And so for me, my greatest accomplishments and my pride comes from looking at folks that I've had the opportunity to mentor or to coach or to promote who are exceeding me in their careers and exceeding my expectations. And so that to me is the greatest accomplishment. It's the people who have fulfilled me, who've taught me how to be the best person, the best leader and professional that I can be, and who are now going out and doing great things in the world. Every connection I have with another human being, for me, is an accomplishment um, when you can spread love and spread joy. I've also had the benefit and the privilege of doing, I don't know, really small tactical things. I had the benefit of, and this is a small one, but <laughs> I like to share it. Uh, when I worked in Georgia and I worked for a phenomenal leader, Dr. Rhonda Meadows, she was the um, commissioner for the Department of Community Health. And we got a chance to add hearing aids and audiology as a benefit to the state employee health program and the Medicaid program. I actually have a son who's deaf and a husband who's deaf. So something as small as being able to add that as a, a covered benefit brings me great pride in the chance that I had to work in public policy and change public policy. I could probably go on with other little things like that where, you know, the stroke of a pen changed people's lives. But yeah, that's the one that comes top of mind right now is uh, just something as simple as adding a benefit uh, to the structure that enabled people to get their ears and their hearing checked and then have devices covered and paid for if they needed them to live their full lives. What has been your experience as a woman working in healthcare leadership? And if applicable, what hurdles have you faced and overcome? Wow. Working as an executive or a leader um, in what I call corporate America, even though it's a nonprofit, you know, when you start to work in organizations uh, that's revenues, you know, are upwards of, I'd say, you know, maybe a million dollars. <laughs> maybe you could say a little less than a million, but when you get into these numbers, um, there's a certain structure and form, um, discipline, and obviously politics, right? Because money equates to power in such an organization. And so having worked for many organizations, government, nonprofit, public, Catholic healthcare, um, et cetera, uh, that are upwards of that million dollar and even the billion dollar point. Um, I've learned a lot as a female. A, there's not a lot of us up here in the corner offices. The majority of offices are filled by men. There are some really good organizations like Henry Ford that has a very diverse and um, welcoming and warm executive leadership team. I also had the privilege of having quite a few female peers when I worked at Providence St. Joseph Health. Our leader there, Rod Hockman, was adamant about women serving in leadership. But I'll tell you the challenge is getting in the door is obviously a challenge. Staying in the door is obviously a challenge. But really being able to 
provide a perspective and a worldview that changes the strategy or the trajectory of the organization for the good. I think the benefit of having a diverse leadership team is not whether or not you're male or female, black or white, it's having a difference of opinion, a difference of experience and perspective that forces a conversation that ensures you've considered all the options, the pros, the cons, the implications for the different communities that you're attempting to serve. And I don't think you can do that if you're a monolithic team. So for women, we struggle with getting in the room. We struggle with staying in the room, but we often struggle too with representing the interest of other women, of diverse populations and different perspectives, because many of us got in the room because they think we think like men. <laughs> they think we can behave or perform like men absent emotion, right? Or with a level of discretion that's symbolic of a male's uh, kind of genotype. And so we think we have to behave a certain way in order to get in the room and stay in the room. And I think the challenge is not doing that. I think the challenge is being your, and I hate to use the word authentic, I think it's overused, but bringing your unique experience and understanding to the conversation that challenges the status quo and doing it with integrity in a way, fortunately, the hard part is a way that doesn't appear threatening because it's never intended to be threatening of the other human beings, but it is absolutely intended to threaten the way we're doing business so we can do it better and we can do it for more people or a broader base of people. I think that's the biggest challenge is actually bringing your unique experience to the boardroom, to the discussion and enabling that to help shape the trajectory of the business in a positive way. It's hard work. It is really, really hard work. What advice do you have for women who want to serve in leadership roles in healthcare and beyond? Put on your big girl panties and show up every single day. <laughs> Don't be afraid of conflict. Definitely don't be afraid of conflict. And have fun and smile. I, I do worry that we take ourselves too seriously sometimes. And life is very short and very unpredictable. COVID has taught us that for those who have not had the, um, the disfortune or misfortune of losing people suddenly. If you did during COVID or you um, watched that happen to others, you really recognize how precious every moment is. So, you know, my advice, Melanie, to other women is to be courageous, to be brave, but also to have a little bit of fun and not take yourself too seriously because we only have so few moments um, on the planet and so few moments to connect with one another in a meaningful way. We need to take those every opportunity we get. And if we're focused on success and climbing the corporate ladder and getting to the next position or getting to the next role, you miss out on the joys and the lessons and the pleasure of the role that you're in. And you need to enjoy where you are right now because tomorrow's not promised. Well, Carla, Denise, as always, it's been wonderful speaking with you. 
Thank you so much for being here and sharing your expertise with us. Melanie, it's always my pleasure. Um, you and I met almost a year ago, and so I'm so happy uh, that we are in each other's universe. Um, it brings me great joy to help support you and health leaders because it's a lot of work for us to continue to educate and inform one another about success. So I learn a lot from you each time we meet. Thank you for engaging me. Well, and I certainly learn a lot from you every time we meet as well. And thank you listeners for joining us on the Health Leaders Women in Healthcare Leadership podcast. Until next time, keep taking care of your patients and each other. Mm -hmm.